0: This is DJ Thomas, and you're listening to Frequency Interrupted. What's up? So I'm here today with Janet Miller. She is the executive director of Louisiana Association on Compulsive Gambling. I always always get tongue-tied on that. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. How about you, DJ? I'm
0: great. So um, we've known each other for a little while now, and I've helped you in the marketing world, but I actually want to sit down with you today and um, just chat about the actual organization and what all we've been going through the past few years and what it is you guys do. So...
1: Yeah. In fact, um, certainly in the last year with the pandemic or so, it's, it's been a, a change even for us. We picked up for Louisiana a recovery warm line for those people who are first responders to call us. Let's say they're leaving a shift or even on shift and they just need to talk to somebody just to debrief. And then we also have a same line for people in recovery so that even though there are a lot of Zoom meetings, a lot of international, national meetings, um, if they just want somebody to just vent to and talk to. So we've opened that lineup since the pandemic. Um, Our organization has been around since 1994. And we're a nonprofit organization that started with problem gambling help. We started working with the gaming industry and state police and uh, the governor's office to implement... Uh, treatment and helpline services for Louisiana.
0: Okay. And so you guys started initially to cover mainly the casino gambling in the Louisiana area and um, everything's evolved since then. We have so much more sports Mm -hmm. and online betting going on. and um, The entire evolution of gambling as a whole has shifted from what it was. What's been the most interesting thing being that it's less hands-on and more digital now. How's that been, how's that affected the organization?
1: Well, we added um, almost six years ago now, we added chat and text so that people could get a hold of us through our website and chat with us if they just wanted to get information or talk or get some support. And then we added texting because more and more people text rather than pick up the phone and call. And, And so that evolved. And then also with sports wagering that's been coming around the last couple years, but even before that, daily fantasy sports. So we've been trying to really stay ahead of kind of stay ahead of the game with helping people, providing resources and services, not only in Louisiana. We do that, but around the country.
0: Okay, and so this this is something that's interesting, too, because a lot of people, when they think gambling, you know, and addiction and problems, they don't realize how vast that issue is and how many Mm -hmm. people are affected. These are regular everyday people. These are not just, you know. They, you know, some people contribute it to all they think about is addicts and they contribute it to drugs and low, poverish, you know, scenarios. And a lot of times this is your normal, everyday people. They're having these issues.
1: Well, even in um, the year 2000, 2001, NBC Dateline got a hold of us and wanted to do a show on problem gambling and treatment. We were the only treatment center other than one other one in Minnesota that was doing residential care and the reason for that and they came down here they decided not to pick a man and to pick a female who was like a um, action player which is somebody who she really liked poker and blackjack and some of the more um thinking games than most what they thought females at the time so what's happened is very quickly we evolved in seeing that it wasn't just somebody who was homeless or somebody who was in poverty, Um, we were looking at people that were running cities and running businesses, um, handling a lot of big accounts, people that we were next to, our family and friends that were having a problem. Our biggest concern was you couldn't tell this one by looking at someone like drugs and alcohol. You can usually smell it, see it, test for it. Gambling, you can't.
0: Yeah, so it's basically just a hidden, a hidden issue that we're trying to, you know, and another thing too is that a lot of people are embarrassed they have these issues, and so how does it? Yeah, how do you guys, you know, make the connection there? While, you know, trying to bring people in and help them without, you know, them being exposed, basically.
1: Very similar to you know, we have a lot more stigma, I think, still about problem gambling. Similar, though, to what we used to have for mental illness and drug addiction or alcoholism. And so we, we're really trying to get the education out there, like the podcast like you're doing, to get people to understand that it really does hit people that you would think wouldn't get addicted to gambling. Um, it, it does tend to have sometimes a lean towards a higher IQ or or a higher level of social um aptitude and, and aptitude. And so what we look for are people who are kind of bright and used to handling a lot of pressure and a lot of different situations, but that sometimes need a break from that. And they don't really want to drink alcohol or use drugs for whatever reasons. And they don't tend to have mental illness. We have seen with the mental illness for this population, there's a lot of co-occurring depression or anxiety but still with anxiety and depression, you don't always see that with people. Yeah. So really trying to get the education out there and not have people so embarrassed and ashamed. Um, but we do still have other people that say, well, the, the, can't they just quit? Don't yeah. take that much money. Put, leave your credit cards at home. And it's like, you know, if it were that easy, it's kind of like a diet. I always mm-hmm. tell people. If we all would stick to a diet and exercise we'd all have a normal body size.
0: We all have the knowledge of how to do that, but it's right. not that simple, you know. <laughs> right.
1: And it is simple, but right. it's not so easy to follow and to stay, you know, very obedient to the plan. So with this disorder being hidden and invisible that you can't see it with the naked eye, we really want people to have a conversation that became our national motto the last like 4 or 5 years was that we need to be talking about Gambling, just regular every day, every week, every month gambling that people do, because in talking about something may show somebody who has a problem that they have some difficulty talking about their gambling now versus maybe a year ago. And also, we want to help people to understand we need to be talking about stuff that we're doing. We normalize gambling in our society we not only can do it in establishments, like we do brick and mortar, but now it's online and and um, everywhere in the country and across and beyond. And so we want to be able to say, if you gamble, that's fine. I mean, we're not even against gambling. We're right. neutral on gambling. We just want people to get the help that need the help.
0: Okay. So you, you mentioned earlier some trigger points, and um, what do these things do, um, like, because We've had previous conversation about these things, but how it affects um, working environments, uh, friends and family, people who may you know, know that these issues are going on but don't know how to deal with it. Um, right. What do you guys do on that front?
1: I think that one of the things I tell people is if, if we can't see it, how are we ever going to help anyone? Mm-hmm. And so one is talk about and ask about if somebody gambles, just like we talk about somebody going out drinking or other things that people mm-hmm. do. Let's talk about it. The other part is watch if somebody seems to always have money issues on a cash basis. So um, you want to pay attention. To and also if there's a personality change with people when they gamble. So if you're in a family and you tend to go to the casino or you go to um, a poker room or whatever and you play, is something change in their personality when they're in play, when they're in action of gambling? because most of us stay the same when we're doing whatever activity, but sometimes a problem gambler will change. They'll get quieter. They'll be more sullen. They'll get more serious where you can't talk to them. You can't joke with them or laugh. Or sometimes they just don't want to be around anybody else. And gambling, like social drinking and social events, are usually with other people and then you'll start seeing. Well, I thought we were going to go to the casino later, and the guy like, already went. I don't, yeah. I don't need to go or whatever. And you go, well, so it just starts changing the way that they gamble, or they stop talking about it. Yet you kind of sense that they're still gambling. So you want to bring it up, keep talking about it, because what can happen is they think that you don't get it, you don't know because you're not talking about it and that's kind of a red flag too for me if i don't really want to talk about something with someone yet it's what a lot of people do and a lot of our country gambles it's strange that we wouldn't want to talk about something that most people do but maybe it's because there might be a problem there
0: yeah well that's interesting that's interesting too because like if you think about drug addiction alcoholism those things once they get to be a problem you see those people you know, move away and they're not doing that socially as much and they're doing that by themselves. You know, It's always you know, a concern at that point. So it's very interesting because I had no idea there were the same variants
1: there. There is. And then also with gambling, because you can do it on so many different venues. Like you can do it on your computer, you can do it on your... They have to go to a brick and mortar anymore. And especially now, you can keep talking about it, keep being very open to it. Understand that anyone can get a problem with this at any time in their life. What we do see is oftentimes after a traumatic event or a loss, some people will start developing a problem with gambling or drugs or alcohol and certainly mental illnesses can occur then because the body's response and the brain changes that go on through trauma. Of course, we're just coming through a pandemic, which we've never been through. So it's another big factor we're all watching to see in the next year or two how gambling and also like alcohol and drugs, there seems to be a lot more alcohol drinking this past year. Um, And so we're having to watch to see what does that mean in another year or two from now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, uh, there's so many people, the economy's down, you know, there's so many people that are out of jobs. Um, I can see where that, you know, would be a concern or an issue that, I mean, we've all went through it. And then, yeah, that's something someone turns to, you know, which is Mm -hmm. unfortunate when it becomes an issue. But, you know. Um,
1: well, And we have people that call, like, we also answer a suicide prevention helpline. Okay, And so we have different callers on different helplines, but sometimes they overlap. Like, obviously, sometimes people are suicidal when they're coming out of a gambling binge. And sometimes people who are calling on our suicide prevention helpline have just quit gambling or they're coming off of alcohol and drugs and they think, that's it. I can't do this anymore. And so we have a lot of overlap with the callers.
0: So we, we just have to- more than others. Is or Do you have those metrics offhand? I mean,
1: what, not- what we are seeing is, is an uptick of younger male sports gamblers calling, uh-huh. younger being. Um, 25 to 35 and they're actually calling and seeking help and stating that they've been gambling with sports before it became legal in whatever state because we answer 21 states helplines like that. But they're they're admitting that it's becoming quickly out of hand for them, especially if their state became, it became legal. That's a difference from, problem gambler calls before. So we want to pay attention to our young men who may have always played some poker, played some cards, done some things, but and and maybe always placed some bets. Um, But it is different and more accessible. And that's what we look for with addiction is, is there a lot of accessibility to do that addiction? And nowadays, it's all over the place to be able to gamble, but really ultimately just take your cell phone yeah. And you can do it right there.
0: Yeah, there's been a, um, I, I'm aware of some people, in you know, in my sphere of influence that are, you know, that enjoy doing sports betting. I, for one, don't really have any knowledge in it. I've looked into it, um, and, you know, in the fight world and was like, OK, I don't know what this means with this, <laughs> you know, the right. variance and the plus and the minus. I'm yeah. like, I'm not putting any money in it because I probably will lose it all. But I mean, <laughs> I know I know it's something that's convenient, especially when it's able to be put behind a passion. You know, if you're you're passionate about football or, you know, baseball or whatever it may be, right? um, Being able to, you know, just like the fantasy league thing, right? Being able to, you know, Mm -hmm. play. And most of the
1: time, most gamblers think that they know. Yeah. And and so, you you know, it's not like you're not going to place a bet where you go, I'm going to lose it. I really hope to lose it. You know, you really believe that you know. And even though the metrics and everything of the whole um, layout can look like they would win, it's still a chance. Right. I mean, things can happen in any game, in any any sports arena that can change it in in one moment. You know, so um, there's that piece too. Is that oftentimes you'll hear people talk about, well, I already know who's going to win. I've already placed a bet. I mean, I'm good to go, and they lose.
0: Yeah.
1: And you go, you know, normal people just go, well, <laughs> you know, it happens. I mean, it was that one shot in golf, and he started breaking apart mental game, and then the other person that was a problem says, uh, uh-uh. uh. Somehow that just can either infuriate them or they don't want to talk about that because exactly. there's a sense of that, that somehow they were wrong and stupid or ignorant about it. And they weren't. It's just part of the chance piece that they forget about when yes. they place the bet.
0: Do you have, um? I just this had this thought, do you guys have, do you have people reach out to you who, who may be in, into stocks? They're They're wasting money. Yes. Okay. Because that's something interesting we never talked about. Um, but I can see where that would be another issue,
1: right? And and that's easy to do. And in fact, we we almost promote that. That's what we look at too. Is we we kind of almost think they're the upper echelon of uh, gambler is somebody who gets not only to do the stock market, but then they get somebody else's money to do it sometimes. Yeah. And and that can be just as much of a problem because you can stay on that twenty four seven. You just have to have access. You can be moving accounts, changing things. So it's a constant, and and you have to watch it. You plan for yeah. it. Um, people get obsessed with it. Very easy to do, but again, there seems to be a lot more um, sense of that's okay with our society sometimes with that one, and it's not. We really have to watch out with people.
0: Yeah, because I think when as soon as you said that um, about the you know them not. You know, thinking that they were wrong somehow, but I've noticed that in people that trade, you know, a lot of stocks do like stock. They get so emotional about something. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's just a transaction, and once they become emotional, it's like it changes the thought process of how stuff is moved around, and and they're willing to put more into something not guaranteed that's going to get you know come back. But at the same time, they're hoping it will, and then they get devastated. You know, it's just one of those things. I have seen that, and I've noticed it. You know, I've been watching over the past few years as it's transitioned. And during COVID, it's become more accessible, just like the mm-hmm. sports gambling, to where you can, right. do it, you can do it immediately. Like, funds are available immediately. You can transact right. immediately. You don't have to wait four days, you know, whatever it may be.
1: Right. It's and that, And that's also what we're seeing, is that the more accessibility to the faster movement, of money and exchange and credit and stuff is also part of this addiction. Is it moves really fast, and and that's why we see that it's so easy to spend so much money so quickly yeah. before they even realize. Some of what we've been working on with the gaming industry is putting um, barriers and boundaries in that would put a stop gap. Like, hey, you know, DJ, you've already put in $500 to this, or you've already uh, moved three accounts in the last 10 minutes. Would you like to take a break or whatever? And so some people get really angry about that, but some people appreciate that because it does give them that wait. I need to slow down. Most people get really angry. I wonder about that.
0: Yeah. I don't, well, it's just like a, you know, something on a you know, a computer, like when you're moving around throughout a website or something. But yeah, I mean, I think that it's, I think that's something to help, you know, I don't see that if there's ever anything that's put into regulation, that wouldn't be, you know, I don't think that's
1: that's everything that they're they're trying to understand is how can we, how can we build in some responsible gambling or responsible player, you know, kind of boundaries for those who don't have a problem, they really won't but it appreciate him. it. it right? him, yeah. But the other people need it fast and furious and, and need it to. And, and again, once you keep moving it that fast, you forget. And then next thing, you know, you look back at your accounts or your credit card or your activity. And you think, how did I do all that? Yeah. Well, so if we slow it down, everything is able to be seen. Doesn't mean they won't do it. Doesn't mean they're not out of control. But we're trying to find ways to help build into the system through the Internet and through federal and and international laws. You know, how can you do this without, you know, people say, well, it's my money. I can do whatever you can't, you know. So there's all these different arguments and all the different people in the side. So.
0: Yeah, it's something that's uh, it's just very interesting to me because um, since you and I have been working together the past few years in conversation, I really never thought about it. And here's something else that's interesting. You know, growing up, you saw the movies um, where there's underground sports betting and you have seen mm. like where the bookie was looking to yeah. take someone's kneecaps out because they yeah. you owed know, them so much money. But what's interesting is since this um, has evolved over the past 10 to 15 years, I can't recall this ever even being brought to attention. You know, as far as use of, you know, in movies or anything like that, right. so there's not a lot of tension on this.
1: No, there isn't. And and I think, again, because we tend to normalize it mm-hmm. and we also find it to be OK. Like, I, I can't be t- tell you the hundreds of families I've worked with over the years that said it's really OK if the kids play poker down in the basement as long as they're not out getting high or drinking, running the roads, driving their vehicles. I'm like, hey, just so you know, there's a percentage downstairs that are going to get addicted. And they're like, no way. Because we just never thought about it. Yet we all know, historically, there have been people that have gotten addicted to gambling. But it's kind of like you hear about that notorious one or two, rather than, like, that's why Dateline did their show um, through us, was to show that it's very normal, and it can be in, with any man or woman whose family, who has children and, and works a job and is responsible generally, but also has a problem with gambling.
0: Is there, are there any statistics like 1 in 100 or something like that that you guys have put together like based on population? Statistically, and- the
1: national average is about 1% to 2% of the population develops a problem with gambling.
0: Okay. For so that's, Louisiana, that's, that's quite a lot. higher.
1: Okay. Well, actually two. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. But three to five, that's a lot.
0: That's quite a lot when you're talking about millions of people, you know? Right. Um, and it's something that, you know, I just, I'm glad we're able to have this conversation today because it is something that um, I wasn't very well educated on, but I, you know, I, I know this is an issue, but since, you know, we, we talk about it, it is something that is not, that is kind of a silent killer at right. the same time that we've normalized. Um, so tell me this, how did you get into this?
1: I actually got into it. Um, I've been a counselor for 37 years. Okay. It was the previous uh, executive director of LACG Reese Middleton who invited me to come on board. We had worked together 35 years ago at a hospital Okay, and he said, I want you to open this program core and I want you to hire the staff, set up the program. That's kind of been my. Background professionally to not only counsel but to work up programs, and and it intrigued me because it it was back in 1998 we were talking and and no one was doing much in the casinos, and the racetracks and everything were just opening up in '94 in Louisiana, and it intrigued me because I would see people in treatment that were having problems with drugs and alcohol or they were having problems with mental illness. And and they looked hungover. They didn't look right. They come to treatment and they come to sessions. And I'd go, I'd screen them, and they were clean. And I'd ask them what's going on. And I never thought to ask them if they were at the boats or if okay. they were at a casino or anything. And that's when it started happening. They were saying, "Well, listen, I, I started gambling, and I think that might be as much of a problem." And I just never thought about it like everybody else. Yeah. And and so I started getting a hold of people. Um, nationally and internationally that were good in this field that was very, very small at the time in the 90s. And then they started training me. We started bringing people in to Louisiana. We started learning things more and more about it. And so Reese and myself, we just went after it. And that's when we talked to and got a helpline going, Um, started after a few years, the outpatient counseling center that we have. And we, and we really knew that this was something that was going to be different because we couldn't identify it just by the naked eye. We couldn't look at people and say they seem to have maybe some mental illness yeah. or they seem to be high or drunk. And we just weren't seeing it. And that was a challenge to me clinically. I thought, you know, this has got to be something. And then when I met some of the first families I worked with, what I was just blown away as a clinician was how angry and hurt and different that was because you have just now affected people's security and livelihoods and and some people had double mortgages, didn't even know they had one. You know, they thought they paid off their mortgage. And here they're sitting with with all these mortgages and and credit cards. And it was just something I thought, well if I can help families do something different, then I need to help families do something different just piqued me clinically to say, you know, I need to learn about this. There's something going on with this disorder. And we saw more and more of it. And then we started having people calling us and saying, Hey, you know, I, I don't know that I can get help at core because of who I am. And I'd be like, I don't know that you cannot not get help. Yeah. Um, because also the treatment is mm-hmm. free in Louisiana and that, and that's what blows people away. But Out of some of the taxed gambling money in Louisiana and out of lottery tax money and video poker, they have a pool of money that's dedicated just for helpline treatment, prevention, and services for problem gamblers and their family. So they don't have to do anything but show up or call the numbers. And I love that because many states do not have what we have in Louisiana.
0: Yeah, and that's something that, too, that, you know, we're in a society now where there's there's very low accountability. Um, it's just what we've done to ourselves over the past two decades. And um, so, yeah, it does make it a lot easier. Someone can have a conversation without having to go out of their way and get out of their comfort zone to have that conversation.
1: Right. And, and I think also knowing that um, more and more people are trying to help people in this area, and also we're training other counselors around the state. We we stay on top of national trends and international information. You know, it, it's like everything you try to learn from someone else. You don't have to reinvent the wheel of that. And, and so we're seeing just like with the changes with the sports wagering and sports betting, that we've got to be much more savvy about the Internet and the interplay with young people who possibly what we're seeing now is maybe... Some people who were gamers, yeah, who were into gaming, that there may be a passage in the brain that's easier to access over into gambling problems if they had a history of gaming as a young person.
0: Yeah, because I mean that's something that's I'm sure over the next five to ten years we'll be able to have some really good metrics there, but it's something that's kind of new, right? Where gaming has taken a, Mm -hmm. I'm sure I don't know I don't know those numbers, but I would say it's probably increased hundreds of percent of people that are doing it because of these devices right here, you know?
1: Right. Um, and, and, so it is, and it is, and it's a billion dollar industry. So yeah. we, we kind of sometimes slam on the gambling industry, but the gaming industry is huge. Yeah. So
0: what I like about what you guys are doing is what you said earlier is that you're not against it. You're not against right. gambling. We're not sitting here having this conversation saying you should not gamble. We're sitting here nope. having this conversation saying, if you're doing it and it's creating an issue with your family, your, your, you know, your well-being, your financials, then you guys are here to help you.
1: Right. Because we, we're we not fighting against gambling is the problem, because in truth, many, many more people gamble and don't have a problem. Obviously, statistically, 97 percent of Louisiana people who gamble won't have a problem. OK, so the so the two to three percent, maybe three to five percent who have a problem that's who we want to focus on. Yeah. The other people, you know, go play, entertain yourself, do whatever you're doing, probably will never develop a problem. Some of those people, majority of them will never create a problem for themselves. Not worried about them. Not focus on them, not into shaming them to not do it or whatever. Go have fun. We just want to focus on the people who have a problem or their families who notice that there's some kind of problem and sometimes with this addiction we hear families will say like husbands and wives will say I thought they were having an affair. They were spending so much time away, so much money away, I thought it was someone else. Not that that isn't going on sometimes, sometimes right. it is too. But also then they think they thought they were out drinking or using drugs, you know, never coming home, coming home looking disheveled and it was actually gambling. Yeah, and maybe they were drinking sometimes, but most people, when they're into playing and into decision making with gambling, and if gambling is the addiction, they want to be very um, clear headed. They may ga- they may drink and use after they're done gambling to relax and calm down to go to sleep, but during the play, they usually like to be very bright and alert.
0: Okay. That was the next question I had, too, was have you seen more of drug or alcohol, you know, attributed to the gambling issue? Have you Has there been a link there? Which one I would if I were to guess, I would assume alcohol would be a bigger trigger than drugs. But I don't know those. I was just wondering.
1: Research depends on where you're looking at some of the research. But we are seeing for years that alcohol is is very much one of the co-occurring disorders with it. And, you know, they do usually give free alcohol at many of the establishments. And even some of the illegal places will do the same. Maybe won't always allow drugs in, but, but, you know, you can do that without having to, you know, do it legally. Um, But, yes, we do see almost 50 to 55 percent of problem gamblers will usually have a drug or alcohol problem as well. So sometimes they end up in treatment or detox for that problem. And then we all find out, hey, it's really the gambling that's probably primary. And, you know, so we start working at which whichever end we can start at. But usually if they're detoxing, we want them to do that first.
0: Okay. Well, and another thing that comes to mind, um, growing up and recognizing, because I'm just thinking about people that, you know, this is something that's so hidden that, you know, seeing the older people growing up when i was growing up um they were always playing video poker that's something that I, re- I remember being a big issue and i noticed that as a you know a child seeing those things like man they they do that a lot you know they're spending a lot of right. time and money in these places um whether it be a truck stop or you know diner or what have you but um are those th- are those i'm sure they're not as popular these days but is that something that's still
1: you know i'm i'm curious to see that what is going to show Certainly after the pandemic too. Yeah. But Louisiana has actually stayed very high with the percentages of video poker players that call us. Again, not everybody who has a problem or everybody that gambles calls us, right? right? But those who call us tend to be a higher percentage of video poker players. It used to be almost 50-50% gender were calling, Okay, as many women and men and they were about the age of forty-five, you know. Um, now, again, what we're seeing though is sports betting yeah. is getting that uptick, and younger men are calling us.
0: And your guys, and you, by the time you get the metrics, it's been a while. They've had it's been long enough for them to realize they're an issue. So there's always right. going to be a delay there, right? You know, and there's nothing it, you can do exactly. about that because that's just you know that's just how it works.
1: Right? Um, because because that's at self-will. People yeah. can do whatever they want to do, even you know and the one thing that is against the law still is suicide. Yeah. And suicide changes things we got to get them some help um if they won't do that. But everything else they can do legally and keep doing it Even phones all the time. Yeah. That sometimes that's part of the action is staying on the phone and staying moving gaming around and then gambling around and then accounts around and, and checking your um, banking accounts and credit and that's part of action for problem gamblers. So just pay attention to who you're up against. And my thing is always if people are spending more screen time or phone time than they are person time, yeah, that's not healthy.
0: Well, I mean, you're so I was looking at these numbers the other day for um, a presentation for some networking, and um, you're looking at three and a half hours on average. And this was a study done last year because we haven't had right. long enough for the you know the, the pandemic year, but. Before COVID, three and a half hours per day average on this device right. worldwide. Worldwide. We're not just talking about right. the states where we're we're probably using it more than that, you know. Um, and that's that's insane when you're talking about 70% of the world population having having one of these devices and then right. three and a half hours a day used on one of these
1: devices. It's just person to person time you have in a day. Yeah. Um, because it, what I've been concerned about with kind of the sociology of all this is how we're not becoming comfortable anymore with just talking.
0: Exactly. Like we don't even
1: talk as much on the phone or like this, DJ, as we do texting. Yeah. As we do on emails and stuff. So we're really removing that personal touch, which also means that we're able to hide more and more things.
0: And it also makes your prob- your um, job harder too, because you have to have mm-hmm. that conversation to make a conversion. There's right. no emotion in text and email, right? So like, well, you
1: know, they do like to text and chat online. That's, we that's, really want to get them to right, call us. Right. Yeah,
0: I would say, it. I would say, I would think it would be more effective to have a conversation, but however you can get that in and you have that conversation is great. But I, you know, I just feel like, you know, person to person is a little mm-hmm. more effective. Um, but it
1: is. It is. And just like we started during the pandemic, teletherapy like this is that we're doing a lot of teletherapy now. Right. where We never did it like this, but it's actually showing that it can be as effective because you, it's hard for you to say, I can't get there. Yeah. It's like, well, you just get your phone or get something, yeah. you know, of course you can. And, and so that's why I think also in due time, we'll see how these different ways of teletherapy and telehealth can help people who may not have reached out, who, yeah. who would have had some barriers to get somewhere.
0: Yeah, because I think that this is an effective way to have a conversation too. And we've we've actually adjusted in the past year because we a lot of us had to use this way, you know? And right. part of the way this podcast was built was having these conversations, you know, remotely. Right. Um, unfortunately, scheduling conflict with uh, the studio today allowed made us, you know, have to have a Zoom show today. But at the same time, we're still having a conversation here right. and um, you can see us, you know what I mean? So yeah. it, it yeah. means a little more than just, you know, just doing it, you know, via de- a device. Now, what have you um, you guys seen as far as how effective once someone has reached treatment to, you know, coming out and, you know, kind of getting ahead? What have you seen there?
1: Well, we did some outcome studies uh, throughout the years that we've been open with our treatment program, as well as our outpatient treatment program. And we've seen a very high rate of success if people go through a residential program and continue on for the next year or two in counseling or different groups different support uh, services and resources as high as like 86 percent so you take someone it's it's wonderful um of course the key is everybody needs to continue doing what they need to do i just talked to a young man today who said i left core a couple of years ago and i did only half of what i was supposed to do and i started relapsing on gambling and so there you go but what helps them with that is to see hey it doesn't work like that you have to do everything Mm -hmm. because gambling problems you're all in it takes over everything in your life and so in recovery got to be all into got to do everything it takes to stay away from it and And we talked about the relationship with money is more concerning to me when someone's in recovery than not gambling again, because you still have to spend money. You still have to be appropriate and budget it and talk about it and not get it to trigger you to either make more money or to feel less than because you don't have any right now or you're in debt. And, and so that's a big piece of what we counsel and work with people on is to kind of divorce money from your self-esteem or your identity, because you're not what you make or don't make.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I agree. I think that's something that's super interesting, too, is that you mentioned, um, you know, those trigger points or what would trigger something. And it, just um, working with you guys, you know, here over the past months, years, you um, Realizing that things that we wouldn't so
1: even, does everybody who's listening know that I met you as a wee little boy? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably not.
1: <laughs> but who are very young.
0: But but what I was getting at is that you know, a lot of people don't realize that the way things are put together and presented to someone would actually make someone would trigger psychologically trigger someone to go spend money on something. Right. Um, we because do know that in the marketing world is if I arrange something this way, it looks better. Right. Exactly. But we don't think about indirectly if a color scheme of something reminds someone of this organization, they may be more apt to, to realize, oh, I need to go bet on this, you know, or, or want to.
1: Well, right next door for years to our treatment center was um, a pizza place. I won't say the name, but there was a, a set of what looked like dice up there Okay. to all the problem gamblers, especially the craps table players would be like, I can't stand it. Every time I look out there, all I see are dice. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's just a sign. And didn't realize that trigger. So it wasn't that it was a casino sign or a video poker or the lottery or anything. It was um, certain times of the year. And so with any recovery, you want to walk through that and, and detach it from the addiction and have it something new for the person. But you have to really pay attention to that because sometimes people go, oh, that's no big deal. I did it with this guy years ago. I was like, it's just a pair of, it's just a sign. And he was like, nope, dice. And I was like, you know what? (laughs) We got to talk about it then. And it was the same when um, Coke came out. If you pop the lid. And we had a Coke machine at the treatment center and he popped the lid and it would have a win or a lose inside and tell you what you won. Oh, I remember I, that. Yeah, that was Yeah. Cool. And I had I one know, guy yeah. downstairs that was popping all that he was buying all the sodas and, and I was like, What are you doing? And he just couldn't stop. He had just got him hooked on it, got caught up in it, and was like, Oh my gosh. So every day there are things that can trip someone up that you think. I wouldn't have thought about that. But that's why we want to pay attention. It's individual for sure. Yeah. But also some it's kind of obvious, but we don't think about it again because we're pretty desensitized to gambling now.
0: Well, something too, like just like you you said, that made me think of uh, McDonald's Monopoly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One of my actual favorite stories was, and she was one of my first um, people I worked with, and she had gotten addicted to Reader's Digest. And sweepstakes. And for some reason in my pre-judgment, I thought, how slow can that go that you sent in these? I didn't realize the true nature of that whole um, kind of conglomeration of what they're working towards and how much money was involved. Um, In fact, she lost all of her retirement. Her husband had passed away. Her family was distraught. She was 85 years old. And she fell in love with her mailman. And the mailman represented to her the connection to the mail that was coming in and had a a great infatuation with him. Um, And so that was interesting to me that what I had learned was she had stacks of mail that would come in. And and she would send out $9 and $2 and $50 and, and thinking that she was going to go into that next big pot. And so yeah. I really had to learn about, wow, there is a lot to this. But it wasn't just once a week she was doing that. It's like bingo. Like some people would come in and they go, I'm a bingo player. And I'd be like, wow, you know, like. No, we're talking 30 you know cards out there and daubers every you know (laughs) they're working I'm like whoa okay you're for real so it just really depends on the person and also again their age and, and what they're used to but but for some people it's easy obviously to hide your mail which is some of the things that I found was interesting and and I've talked to so many families about is you have to do credit checks on your family members, especially like states like Louisiana, if you're married, it's shared debt tells and your partner, because you're going to share that good or bad. And a lot of times problem gamblers will forget the loans and the credit cards they open, that they're still open, that they didn't shut down. So it's just important to do that and to look at that and to make sure that you're working on that as, um, and let's say if you're single, that's fine, but you need somebody to help you to look at your money and managing it and budgeting it.
0: Well, bringing that up too raises another alarm for me is like, so codependency, um, and then family members who may be actually, um, not letting things happen, and not right. realizing there's an issue, um, do you see that a lot too?
1: We do, and and I think the the one thing we we call it bailing them out, yeah, is oftentimes you know you, you so love people and you mm. want to help people out, and so what we'll see in families is this sister's given a little bit of money, this brother's paid this off, mom and dad, are done, and no one was sharing that information, and now that they shared it, they're like, wow, we have tens yeah. of thousands of dollars. What? And so the, the problem gambler will make sure no one's talking about that, but there may be loans and and credit and debt and stuff out there that they even forget about too. And so you really want to have everybody talking about that and saying to each other, because what will happen is like, mom will give the money, but she won't tell dad yep. and then dad yep. will get upset. Yep. Like what? So yeah, you really have to, Say families, we got to work together and got to communicate. And if one's going to do it, you got to tell the other one, even if you're going to do it. Um, but it, the bailout doesn't help because what happens is, if a gambler, let's say they have a thousand dollar debt, and somebody pays that, then they're it. done. Yeah, there's, there's no pressure. Happen. Yeah. And problem gamblers, when they call us, there's pressure on. So I like. That pressure for them. Right. I like some kind of pressure because then they're going to call and get some help, hopefully, to get better and get out of the addiction. But with no pressure, why should they change?
0: Well, it's, I mean, it's lack of accountability, right? They're taking away that account- they were accountable for this debt. Now it's been taken away, so they don't have any accountability at this point, right? And, and it it's home.
1: not and it's not real world. No, once you get past a certain age, it's on you.
0: Yeah. It's your dad,
1: you <laughs> signed for, you're not a child. But isn't parents. it, isn't it
0: always interesting how, how the ages, the progression of age, who, who people, the, you know, you have these 80 year old parents that are still helping a 40 year old, you know, it's, right. it's crazy that we, we had that, you know, still going on.
1: Yeah. And, and I truly believe it's from this great place in their heart Yeah, of parents. And I understand it because once a parent, always a parent, yeah. it didn't matter how old they get, But it never serves good purpose. If they don't change the behavior after one time of helping them financially, then stop helping them. Yeah. Because people do get in trouble. People get something that happens, things occur, and you help them one time, you should see a complete change and they should be paying you back. Yeah. If you're doing it a second time, you need to stop and look at that. Because something's amiss, not not only in your behavior, obviously, but in their lifestyle. Because grown adult people need to not buy things they can't afford, need to live within their means, need to take care of themselves. In fact, we're supposed to be taking care of our parents as they yeah. get older, not the other isn't way that,
0: around. Isn't that funny? We've we've normalized debt you know, um, this country's normalized it to where, um, just like you said, we've normalized gambling. It's all, it's a debt, you know, and then it's an well, issue.
1: Look at, look at how much they show all the commercials about how great it is. To have a high credit score. Yeah. <laughs> well, guess how you get a high credit score. High debt. You get high <laughs> debt. You just pay off stuff. And yeah. You get high, yeah. yeah. You have to have,
0: you have to have the higher, the credit oh. limit. Yeah. Higher the score. It's an interesting Don't do it. Audience, you know. Don't um, do it. One of those things like it's just what we were built on. But, you know, and then playing within those means, it's um something that people like you were saying earlier, that people may not realize that these are issues that common people have. But it is a very, very, you know, reoccurring issue across all demographics. And, you know, like you said, in the ages, you you know, the fact that it's now affecting 25 to 35 year olds more than it was, you know, 20 years ago to the 45 right. year old, you know, it's just interesting. And it And, you know, because it's become more convenient.
1: Right, and it's so easy to get loans, credit cards, yes, to get a hold of, of money. And of course, you know, I we have all these people that call and say, you know, we think those uh, we say payday loans, but everybody knows what they are, kind of thing. Yeah. And the high interest should be outlawed in that. Well, you know, we need, we've got to pull off supply and demand.
0: You, you sign know, up for it, you know.
1: We've got to. It's not their fault. Right. Just like I say to people, I know that you're angry at gambling, but you know, we have a choice we don't have to do this. We have to start exercising our right to change that choice. And, and so I understand it because I've worked with hundreds of families that get angry about the system or about the industry or whatever, but that's not the problem.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just like we blame, you know, in today's society, we blame social media for the problem. I love this analogy right here. They're like, it's because of social media. No, it's it's we're Mm -hmm. we're society. We're just all now connected in this platform. And we're seeing how people interact. Um, If you want to blame anything, blame the Internet, because it's the source (laughs) and social media is just the funnel. You know what I mean? It's just a platform. You can't blame it for these issues.
1: Well, but 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 so much has been afforded through us right. in such positive ways with the internet. Mm-hmm. But it's it just to me, it goes back to the will of us to choose to do it either negatively or positively. Yeah. You know, are we are we helping ourselves and the world around us with it, or are we hurting ourselves in the world around us? And and that to me is a difference and why I say it's not the gambling is the problem. It's not the internet. It's not the phones or whatever. Um, it's us. And we we have to get back to controlling ourselves and having, like you said earlier, accountability partners. I mean, I work with a lot of people on sexual addictions that have a lot of sites that are bouncing to their friends or people that they stay accountable to so that they don't keep going there because they think, I can't stop doing it for a while. Okay, then let's send it out to other friends who will help you and call you and call you upon that behavior if you do that. You know we need help sometimes when we're in a place that we thought we could handle, and it's handling us. So yeah. let's just get some help.
0: That's the biggest thing too. Um, especially, it's funny too, but that you said you know that right now it's a, a more of a problem in twenty-five to thirty-year-old, 20, twenty-five to thirty-five-year-old men because us as men we have ego, right? And um, sure. it's it's like it has to completely crumble down before we, okay, let's talk to someone. But at the That's end right. of the day, I think it's it's more monumental to realize that sometimes you have issues and you just have to talk to someone, no matter what it is. I found out in life, as you go through things, you're going to have to have a conversation with someone right. you don't always have it figured out. And especially, right. it's great to have a conversation with someone who's overcome issues like this. You know what I mean? Right. Or exactly. someone like that, you guys who specialize in these things, you know?
1: Well, that's why probably a third of our staff at all of our programs, at least, if not about almost half, some of them are recovering from either gambling or other disorders. And part of the reason, obviously, they probably choose to work with us is to help other no. people in a way that they were helped themselves. And and so it's, it's amazing sometimes to know that when somebody reaches out People are going to answer them and then answer them with the right information and not not hate on them, not shame them, not say, I can't believe you did that. It's more about, okay, now forward, what can we do to help you? And what can you do to help yourself? And I think that's important. And, and I think, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately for the age group of 25 to 35 year olds is that the nice thing is the social media aspect. Has created a way for you to discuss things and share yes. stuff. The other part, though, is to learn to be vulnerable and and to be real during that time. And I think that that's where it can it can swing the pendulum. Sometimes. Oh
0: yeah, I mean, you always have the you know, I call them the keyboard ninjas. You know, the yeah. people that, yeah. the people that you know love to um, harass someone, but there's no there's no one on the other side.
1: We actually serve besides Louisiana for problem yes. gambling helplines. We serve uh, twenty. One other state.
0: Okay. Well, you don't have to name all of them. Yeah,
1: it's too many to name, but we have a host of them through the National Council on Problem Gambling. We answer their helpline. And then they pay for many states around the country that don't have a council like us who can do that. And then we also uh, independently contract with other states who want us to do that because we've done it since the year 2000. So we've become accredited for our suicide helpline and our problem gambling helpline. We're um, a pilot program that they've used for accreditation for other problem gambling helplines across the U S and we also have one of the few treatment centers still core that is um, available for problem gamblers. And we've had 37 state residents from outside of Louisiana and some people from uh, Mexico, Canada, in Japan through our treatment center. Okay. So so my thing is I want Louisiana to know about us as well as other states and countries do. Yeah. You know, because well, it's that, free for them.
0: Right, right. So I mean that's something too. So if someone does have an issue, they're listening to this or watching this right now, um, best number to reach you guys via phone and then best one to reach you via text message, what would those be?
1: I think I think the number one to text or call us is one eight seven seven 770 stop. Okay. And then if you want to chat with us, you can go to helpforgambling.org and you can chat with us online on our website.
0: Okay. Well, a lot of information today, a lot of stuff, even though we've known each other quite a while. There's a lot of stuff I did not know. And I'm glad that we were able to shed light on these things. Um any last words of encouragement or thought before we end this thing?
1: that there's absolutely no one that has to suffer alone and you just don't have to go it alone. Just call us, text us, chat with us. We're here 24 seven, 365, never turn our lights off.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you for doing this. This is great for us to get the word out. I'm excited
0: about it. I'm excited about it. Everyone, please subscribe to the podcast.